As we come now before the very word of God, I'd like you to turn to the end of the book of Job. Uh, There are Bibles there in your pew if you want to grab one of those. We'll be in a moment at the end of of Job. There is there's a particular phrase here uh, that I stumbled on, uh, like a, a good rock in the road, and, and it made its way into my ear and made a home in my brain. And uh, as, as gross as that image sounds, um, it's been good, uh, a gift and a blessing, a work of the Spirit to shape me, and so I hope in the sharing of it this will help uh, shape you as well. I debated over whether I should just read the single verse or even part of the verse, verse, but in the end I decided, well, this is presbytery, so let's play fast and loose. Uh, So so I'm going to read um, the whole of these last four chapters of Job, uh, if my voice uh, will allow it, (laughs) uh, to try to unleash the full effect of this. The sermon will be quite a bit shorter, okay? So I'm not going to keep you all night, but it is good for us to to just hear God's word. Uh, So before we read, would you please pray with me? Our great God and Father, you have called us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Lord, we fail at that so often, but we want to hear now your holy words. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Spirit, would you give us ears to hear? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll begin in Job chapter 38, beginning in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel? by words without knowledge. Dress for action like a man, I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements, surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far you shall come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began, and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth, and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, 
and its features stand out like a garment from the wicked, their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this, where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness, that you may take it to its territory, and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is, and on a desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land, to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season? Can you guide the bear with his children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings, that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts, or given understanding to the mind? Who can number the clouds by wisdom, or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mast and the clods stick fast together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion? or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens, or lie in wait in their thicket, who provides for the raven its prey, when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they will give birth, when they crouch, bringing forth their offspring, and are delivered of their young? Their young ones become strong. They grow up in the open, and they go out and do not return to them. Who has let the wild donkey go free? Who has loosed the bonds of the swift donkey, to whom I have given the arid plains for this home, and salt land for his dwelling place? He scorns the tumult of the city. He hears not the shouts of the driver. He ranges the mountains as his pasture, and he searches after every green thing. Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend the night at your manger? Can you bind him in the furrow with ropes, or will he harrow the valleys after you? Will you depend on him because his strength is great, and will you leave to him your labor? Do you have faith in him that he will return your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are they the pinions and plumage of love? For she leaves her eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that her foot may crush them, and that the wild beast may trample them. She deals cruelly with her young as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear, because God has made her forget wisdom and given her no share in understanding. 
When she rouses herself to flee, she laughs at the horse and his rider. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a mane? Do you make him leap like the locusts? His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley and exults in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. Upon him rattle the quiver, the flashing spear, and the javelin. With fierceness and rage, he swallows the ground. He cannot stand still at the sound of the trumpet. When the trumpet sounds, he says, ah, ha. He smells the battle from afar, the thunder of the captains and the shouting. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars and spreads his wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up? and makes his nest on high. On the rock he dwells and makes his home on the ruggy crack and stronghold. From there he spies out the prey. His eyes behold it from far away. His young ones suck up blood. And where the slain are, there is he. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty. He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I'm of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then will I also acknowledge to you that your own right hand can save you. Behold behemoth which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold his strength in his loins, his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knitted together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword, for the mountains yield food for him, where all the wild beasts play. Under the lotus plants he lies, in the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh. For his shade the lotus trees cover him. The willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he's not frightened. He's confident, though Jordan rushes against his mouth. Can one take him by his eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Can you draw out Leviathan with a fishhook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose 
or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of a man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who is given first to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who would come near him with the bridle? Who can open the doors of his face around his teeth, his terror? His back is made of rows of shield, shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They're joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezings flash forth light. His eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth goes flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils come forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame comes forth from his mouth. In his neck abides strength, and terror dances before him. The folds of his flesh stick together, firmly cast on him and immovable. His heart is hard as a stone, hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. At the crashing, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. For him, sling stones are turned to stubble. Uh, clubs are counted as stubble. He laughs at the rattle of javelins. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. And behind him, he leaves a shining wake. One would think the deep to be white-haired. On earth, there is not like his a creature without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself 
and repent in dust and ashes. This is the word of God. There is so much to take in here. But the line that has gotten into me and that I want to unpack here is in this final chapter, in the middle of verse 3, where Job says, I have uttered what I did not understand. This is the same thing the Lord spoke at the very beginning of his interaction with Job, that you have come, Job, with words without knowledge. And so here we'll consider the meaning and the impact of utterance without understanding. We know the book of Job is a book of wisdom. It's given to us by God to give us a measure of of understanding. But for Job, the man, by the end here, he still lacks understanding. Understanding was not gained by morality. Even though Job is a blameless man, upright, who fears God and turns from evil, yet his morality isn't understanding. And his understanding is not gained by his misery. Even though Job has been through the ringer, graduated from the school of hard knocks, he knows from experience what it is like to truly hurt, to lose, to suffer. Yet his misery isn't understanding. And understanding is not gained by maturity. Job is a man of some age, some position, status, is one like many of us, a respected elder, one whom others go to for counsel, and yet his maturity isn't understanding. Even at the end of all of this, Job still lacks understanding. And what has struck me here is that something has gone wrong. Something has gone wrong. But the wrong isn't Job's lack of understanding. To lack understanding itself is not bad, is not failure, is not error, is not sin by itself. You know, we, we reformed Presbyterian people Love, embrace, celebrate the doctrine of God in his omniscience. 
That is, that God is all-knowing. There is nothing that's outside of his understanding. His understanding is infinitely high, so high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are his waves above ours. And his understanding is infinitely deep, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and inscrutable his ways. We love God's omniscience, and we should. It's a comfort. We can also come to love and to embrace the counterpoint doctrine of man. Not omniscience, but what we might call inscience, that we often are just unknowing. All the world around us, even our own small world, is so vast. There's so much we don't know that we cannot even begin to know, and we don't have to fight against that. Up next to God's omniscience, our inscience, our unknowing, can actually be a good place of comfort, too. So the issue with Job, where things go wrong and what the Lord calls out in him, is not his absence of understanding. What's wrong is not the absence of understanding, it's the utterance without understanding. Job lacked knowledge, but he spoke anyway. He muttered of matters too marvelous for him. And when he comes to recognize this at the end, he lays a hand over his mouth. Now we know this can be taken too far, right? There's, it's not to say that we can never know or say anything. God has revealed good truth. Otherwise, we would not have sermons. This would all just be a waste of breath. Nor does it mean we have to keep quiet or hide when we ought to speak up in matters like matters of justice. Nor is it to say that we can't speak to God in, in prayer our heartfelt laments, our wrestles, our aches, our confusions, our griefs, our grievances, our grimaces. We are aware that there is both a time to keep silence and a time to speak. But here, we're considering when we have not kept silent but ought to, when we have uttered without understanding. For us to give voice to all of our thoughts or opinions, that is not wisdom. That's foolishness. Proverbs tells us a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinions. 
And that happens far too often to us without our even realizing it. As I was sitting with this and preparing for this week, I was in a coffee shop, sat near a table of folks who were complaining on end about the public education system. And they said things like, you know, we need to go back to the good old days. We need to make schools great again. And every one of them at that table knew exactly the way the school system should be fixed. Or so they said. But as I sat there and listened, the air was dense with utterance without understanding. And I was struck by how often we overspeak like this. It's considered normal to speak like this. Not just normal, we're expected to have our own thoughts on virtually everything based on very little knowledge. We're expected to have thoughts and opinions on economics, on biology and sexuality, on First Amendment, on critical race theory, on the war in Gaza, on parenting, on healthcare, on climate change, on vaccines, on guns, on immigration, and that doesn't even begin to dip into the matters that we ought to know about God. Do you really know all that? Do you know? Or are we uttering what we have not understood? We need to see as a church that ignorant utterance is sin. And it calls us to repent in dust and in ashes. On the judgment day, we will give account for every careless word that we speak. It has impact on us now and on our world. Ignorant speech harms our witness in the world. Listen, pastors, elders, how can people trust what we say about the word of God when they hear us elsewhere pumping out drudges of words without knowledge. That doesn't make us the light of the world. That makes us bags of wind. And we want better. We want better for our neighbors. We want better for our churches. We want better for ourselves. And we want better for God. For his sake. God speaks out of a whirlwind with majesty and mercy. I am the Lord who sets the boundaries of the tidal ocean waves. 
I am the Lord who fathers the rain and gives birth to the frost. I am the Lord who looses the cords of the stars of Orion. I am the Lord who knows each wild ox, each flapping ostrich, each, each staring hawk. I'm the Lord who draws out of the chaos these creatures who sneeze light by a rope as if they were a pet on a string. I'm the Lord who laid the foundations of the earth that you claim to know. How dare we stand before God with mouths gaping open, flapping of things too wonderful for us. Oh, beloved Church of God, how then will we answer him? We as leaders must be the first to know and to acknowledge that we are of small account. To lay our hands over our mouths and stop our utterances without understanding. Oh, that we would keep silent and it would be our wisdom. Pray with me. Lord, Father, we draw near to you to listen. Lord, by your spirit, would you let us not be rash with our mouths, nor hasty in our hearts to utter words before you. Lord, you are in heaven, and we are on earth, so would you let our words be few? Help us to come before you in humbleness, but by your grace, so that we can behold your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.